0: if you look at the exchange rate that's happening right now in europe uh i think everyone's going to be flocking there in summertime it's literally one-to-one with the us dollar and lisbon i think has taken that's the one like the biggest rising star right everyone's going to lisbon everyone i know is going to lisbon right now it's just it's crazy more than anywhere else in europe it's lisbon
1: Hey, what's up, you guys? Mikko here. Uh, I'm very excited for today's episode, but it is a little bit different because this episode was actually a collaboration with my friend Neil Parekh over from the Remote Local podcast. So uh, this uh, episode was originally recorded for their podcast, but we decided to also share it on here. Uh, So that's why I'm coming to you kind of in this weird format. But In case you've never heard of the remote local podcast, it's all about kind of what the name uh, alludes to, how to run a local business. So this is a business that has a local footprint, but run it in a remote way. It's a very interesting new field of entrepreneurship in the remote space. Uh, And I think it actually has a lot of opportunity for uh, a lot of you guys that are listening to this that are maybe trained and our remote first, uh, and how to essentially out-compete local businesses. So if that sounds like something that's interesting to you, definitely uh, check out Neil's podcast, uh, The Remote Local Podcast, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. But in this episode, uh, Neil had me on to talk about some of the up-and-coming digital nomad hotspots around the world, and we kind of just discussed different cities uh, around the world that are maybe really, really popular right now, but declining and why they're declining. We talked about some up-and-coming locations, uh, what really great digital nomad locations have in common, and much, much more. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode, which is why I asked Neil if we could share it uh, on here on TRL. So, all right, without further ado, uh, let's dive right into this episode.
0: What is up, podcast listeners? Neil here for another episode of The Remote Local Podcast. I got my buddy, Meathco on. What's going on, dude? Hey, Neil. Thanks so much for having me. So Meathco is the host of the That Remote Live podcast. We've uh, known each other for a few years now just through the nomad circuit. Finally met, though, in Mexico like a few months ago. And um, I actually asked go on today because I was just brainstorming a kind of a, a topic which it's dear, dear to my heart of the next nomad destination. And there was an article in the LA Times a, a, a few weeks ago, which talked about how Portugal kind of popped off as the new nomad destination. And I kept in my head thinking about like, okay, what's the next one? What's the next one? Which spots are trending up? and Trending down? So I hit up Mitko, who has a lot of experience in this realm, just so we could hop on and kind of shoot the shit about this. So Mithko, thanks for hopping on, dude. Yeah, it's a it's a pleasure. Always always fun to chat. Mitko, can you tell everyone a little bit about your background, who you are, and what you're doing?
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, I was originally born in Bulgaria and I immigrated to the US when I was 10. Um, and I got involved in the startup scene. And then that led to me discovering the digital nomad world um, in 2016. And uh, I run a podcast called That Remote Life, like you mentioned, where we cover everything around um, like the digital nomad lifestyle, remote work, uh, online business, all just that entire topic. I talk with experts and industry leaders uh, on those topics. And then I have a a newsletter called Remote Insider uh, that is a once a week uh, email that talks about those things as well, just kind of keeps people updated. And then I run a company called Parable where we create case studies, kind of like Harvard Business School style case studies, if you're familiar with those, but focus specifically on online bootstrap businesses. So Uh, you know, think about like freelancers or creator economy, all that kind of stuff. We dive in deep on exactly how those businesses are built and give transparency to people who may be interested in starting one of those businesses themselves. Uh, So that's kind of like a quick little uh, bio for myself. I love that. What's the name of the newsletter again? It's called Remote Insider. You can find it at thatremotelife.com
0: forward slash Remote Insider. I'm signing up right now. I know I think this existed, but that's perfect. Much needed, I think, in the industry. Uh, <laughs> awesome, dude. Well, hey, I, this podcast, we're just kind of, kind of shoot the shit, man. Talk about cities we like, we don't like. And a lot of this, uh, I love talking about because it's kind of like, not, not a pipe dream, but I'm like, ooh, where am I going to go to next? Like so many undiscovered spots. So we both have kind of overlapped in travel, but I know we've also been to different places where we haven't overlapped. So I'm, I'm very curious where this goes. So why don't we get it kicked off with... Um, talking about like what are the so-hot right now places that everyone's going to that you're seeing pop off that's just big. Why don't you go, I go, and we'll just kind of go down the list. So what are your thoughts for now? Like, What is the top Nomad destination in 2022? I think especially if we're going to be talking about
1: things that are happening right now. Of course, we're entering the um, Northern Hemisphere summer. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. about to be June. So I think you're going to start to see uh, Eastern Europe and Central Europe popping off a lot. Obviously, um, Portugal is is super, super popular. But I think uh, you're going to see some of East, some Eastern European locations popping off a lot. One that I know in about two weeks is going to be really hot is Bansko, Bulgaria, just because uh, there's going to be a big conference there. So I think uh, Bansko, for the last three years, uh, everyone raves about Bansko. Everyone's talking about it. It's like the place where if you're not there, you feel uh, some level of FOMO for not
0: being there. Wow. So, I've heard of Bansko through the circuit. It's it's a small kind of ski town, right? G- is it even worth going in summertime?
1: So, I mean, it's definitely winter is definitely their high season there. Uh this is I always joke about the fact that I was I'm Bulgarian. I've known about Bansko my entire life and if 10 years ago you had told me take a bet on if this place is going to be like a super popular digital nomad hotspot, I would have never taken that bet. I would have shorted that all day. Um, But they've really done a really great job there. Um, Matias and Uwe from uh, co-working Bonsco have done a great job really promoting that place. And while, yes, the winter season is the strongest there, like that is the economy in Bonsco, I do think it has a lot of benefit of being there in the summer because it is very nature. I mean Bulgaria in general has a lot of nature, a lot of like outdoor activities that you can um you know take part in. It's kind of like California in that you're always relatively close to mountains and sea. So um I think Bansko has a lot to offer for those people who are looking for a slower pace of life, something smaller, something where you can be outside hiking a lot. Um, but it is, a, I mean, when I say it's a small town, it's a small town. Uh, is, so is that's this my like, big
0: caveat. Would you put this in like the hot spots right now, or is this like an up and coming, or is this something like people don't know about, but it's going to pop off? Like how would you categorize Bansco?
1: I think it depends on who you're talking to. Uh, you know, we kind of mentioned this before we hit record, but there's some locations that to you and I, and I don't think Bonsco is necessarily one of these, that are like, we all know these places. But then, you know, when you talk to the broader public, they don't, right? Mm. Um, Bonsco, I think, is, I mean, I think most people who would categorize themselves as a digital nomad know about Bonsko. Uh, now, have they been there yet? I don't. I'm not sure, but most people know about it because it gets so talked talked about
0: yeah i like that and um yeah i I, especially if you look at the exchange rate that's happening right now in europe uh i think everyone's going to be flocking there in summertime it's literally one-to-one with the u.s dollar and lisbon i think has taken that's the one like the biggest rising star right everyone's going to lisbon everyone i know is going to lisbon right now it's just it's crazy more than anywhere else in europe it's lisbon as far as i'm seeing, uh would be the number one spot And so with Bulgaria,
1: so Bulgaria is not on the euro yet. So it uses, they have their own currency in Bulgaria called the Lef, which is even better. So it's even more favorable to the dollar if you're coming, if you're earning in dollars. Um, The one thing I heard about Portugal that I didn't know, I mean, I literally just got off of a podcast interview with somebody uh, who is based in Portugal and Mm -hmm. they just had elections and elected a very um, left leaning government. And mm-hmm. they're expected to super hike up the tax <laughs> rates, which was one of the oh. initial like reasons why Portugal became so popular. Obviously, you've seen all these people establishing businesses in Portugal. So mm-hmm. I haven't had time to double check this myself. I just heard you know about it about that through uh, an interview that I just did. But it will be interesting to see how that affects that move to Portugal.
0: Okay. Um, here's one on my list for the So hot right now. Over the last couple of years, and I'm sure you're gonna agree with this on Mexico. And for a lot of Americans listening, you're like, yeah, of course, Mexico. But the reality is, like, Mexico to the US is very close by. For a lot of people in other countries, it's not really, it wasn't really a destination before. But now you have Europeans moving to Mexico, everyone moved to Mexico. And I think a big reason is because of how Mexico handled the pandemic, where they just left it open. So a lot of people flock there and they're like, oh, this place is awesome. You get tacos and beers and it's cheap you have Playa, you have Oaxaca, you have uh, Mexico City. So I think people started to discover it more and they kind of just stayed. And then you realize like, oh, this is like, I could work on a US-based time zone over here. It's really close by if you need to get back to the US. So I think the biggest come up in outside of Lisbon has been Mexico in the last couple of years. What are your thoughts? I, um, I totally agree with
1: you. I think the other big thing that Mexico has that contributed to that growth was the... 180-day tourist visa upon arrival. So uh, I know for uh, Americans and Canadians, I'm pretty sure it's the same thing for uh, EU uh, passport holders. You Mm -hmm. get 180 days on arrival. So that just makes it so easy because you don't have to worry about border runs and stuff like that. Um, We've heard about the Mexican government cracking down on that a little bit. Uh, I've experienced it myself where they're kind of a little bit like, well, how many days do you need here when you're coming to the border or when you're crossing the border? Um, but I'd be curious to hear from you what places in Mexico, because I agree Mexico is popping off, but Mexico is a massive country. Like, uh, you know, it's like, it's, it's so big and it's so different from area to area. So I'm curious what destin like what cities do you think in Mexico are popping off? Like if you had to name the three biggest, what, what would they
0: be for you? Got it. Uh, Mika, before that, I just had a thought, uh, we totally sound like those talking heads on TV about stocks. Like I've heard through the grapevines that the immigration is getting stuff. The weather is getting better in Bulgaria. So you're going to see an influx of nomads over there. It's totally like a weather report. We, we need one of those things at the beginning. where are like, this is not financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> this is not nomad advice. You do your own research. Yeah, uh, for sure. I personally, I like Mexico city the best. And, um, i i just like city life a little bit better uh and to be honest i think part of that is because i just don't like playa playa is the other spot where everyone flocked to playa the carmen is right next to cancun people flock there because easy pace of life um it's near the water um and i i don't know i just i tried it three times i couldn't like it and i think a lot of people flock there because a lot of people want to be near the beach I feel like there's probably better beaches in Mexico, but there's not much of a community. But I only know about the community in Playa and Mexico City, and I'm more of a city guy, so I love Mexico City. So those would be the two spots. Mexico City is my favorite, and I haven't done enough exploring outside of just vacations in the other spots.
1: What are your so thoughts, man? I'm,
0: I'm 100% with you. Uh, I
1: do not like Playa. I dare say my wife would, you know, be a, if I say I hate Tulum, I don't hate Tulum. But I definitely hate parts of
0: Tulum. Uh, let's put it that way. Um, t- Tulum. Let's be real. It, it's it's like L.A. and Vegas combined. The worst parts of yes. both of L.A. and Vegas, where it's just like day parties. Everyone looks beautiful, which is great. But like, it's just it's it's the U.S. scene is all I could talk about Tulum at this point. Yeah, it's like you can. It's you know what?
1: It's the best place if you want to buy a six hundred dollar t shirt with a bunch of holes in it. It's the best place for that. <laughs> um... But I think I, I I'm in complete agreement with you. I love Mexico City. I think Mexico City is still hugely undiscovered by um, yep. a majority of Americans. I mean, when I mentioned that I was going to Mexico City to some family friends, they were like, they couldn't they couldn't believe that I was going to Mexico City, like because they thought I would just I would get abducted by the cartel the moment that I stepped foot there. Um, and that's not at all. I mean, there's definitely parts of Mexico City that are dangerous, but. Um, Mexico city is a hugely undiscovered, um, destination. I will say if I had to make a, you know, financial, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, what we talked about, like making a prediction, I think the West coast of Mexico is going to blow up over the next three years. Like Oaxaca or what do you mean? I'm thinking Puerto Vallarta, Puerto Escondido, um, Sayulita. Like I think there's La Paz Mm -hmm. in, um, in Baja. I think. A majority of the focus in terms of beaches in Mexico has been focused on the Caribbean side. But now Mm -hmm. they're having issues with the seaweed there, uh, which is definitely a negative on the experience there while you don't have that on the West Coast. And they are much bigger. And like there's good infrastructure on the West Coast. Like PV's airport is really well connected for the size. It's got very good internet. I know you were there a few months ago. Um, I think that once the internet gets figured out in places like Puerto Escondido, uh, it's getting better in Sayulita as well. I think it's going to become uh, even bigger there.
0: Uh, yeah, I think Mexico in general, and like you said, Mexico City, in my opinion, the number one most over, or underrated city in the world. Like, it's just incredible over there. Um, all right, Mithi, I want to transition to the next one, which is what spots are cooling down? So what do you think? What is cooling down, which was previously like really hot in the nomad circuit, but now I think it's cooled down. I think I'm
1: going gonna, I'm gonna to rub some, you know, ruffle some feathers with this. I think some Southeast Asia places are really starting to cool down. Um, I think places I think like think Bali. You're about,
0: to, you're about to steal mine, man. That's exactly what I was going to say. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, oh perfect. Okay, so at least together we agree everyone else might hate <laughs> us, but you know, to, we'll 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 handle it together. Yeah. I think places like uh Bali, I I didn't really understand Bali when I went there in 2018. Um and I think in uh, some of these Asian countries, while they actually have some of the best infrastructure for digital nomads, they turn a lot of people away because of their COVID restrictions. Um and some people are going to, you know, They're now going more into Mexico, they're discovering Latin America, they're digging that more, they're staying over there. And then the other big issue here, I think, is that the new wave of nomads, right, like the Nomad 3.0 wave that we've talked about on my podcast Mm -hmm. before, is going to be remote employees, who are, who must at least have some overlap? exactly, time zone bound. And so I think because of that, they're going to stick closer to Europe at the maximum. Uh, Definitely hang around Latin America. And it's going to be a lot tougher for them to be in Southeast Asia.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, as much as it makes me sad, because I do love the place, Chiang Mai for sure is going to cool down. And partly is like, you said, when COVID restrictions happen, people realize they're going to go other places. And they're like, oh, Mexico is like almost Mm -hmm. equally as cheap. Not, not like nowhere's really equally as cheap as Chiang Mai, where it's like $200 for an apartment. But uh, I think unfortunately they lost their community there because it's such a pain in the butt to get to for most people mm-hmm. that if you don't need to go there anymore because now all these other spots are discovered. I think it's just going to die for a Nomad Circle, which sucks because I, I, I went there, you know, two years in a row for like two, three months at a time and I freaking loved it, but only loved it because there's a community there. There was such a vibrant community and I think that's gone. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: we'll see. I mean, I think they still have like, they have a lot of things figured out. Like, Chiang Mai, Bangkok, these places really have things figured out where they even have like apartment buildings that you can go and purchase, but they're managed. You know what I mean? Like, just a lot of Mm -hmm. things are like easier that I don't think as infrastructure has been developed in some of these up and coming places. But I think that's going to change. I mean, things are going to be moving so much quicker now. It's going to take less time to develop that infrastructure because. Covid was just like a tsunami of you yeah. know digital nomads and remote workers, um, so I think that what was once restricted just to Chiang Mai is going to now spread to other parts of the world, and they're going to
0: lose that um, competitive edge they had before. Mm, nice. All right, next one here, and for this one, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you three choices because I love this one. Never understood why it hasn't popped off. So these are spots where. You love, and you're like this is this is such a great destination, but like, why has this not become more of a thing? Right? I'm, I think I know all of us have been to places like that. Like, this is freaking incredible. What, what's going on here? Uh, so, I had a couple in mind already. I'm curious what you have in mind. So, mine, uh, and I do have to say, I'm
1: a little bit biased, but Varna, Bulgaria. So, okay, Bulgaria. We've talked about it has Bansko, which is very very popular. But just a four-hour drive from there, you have Varna, which is the largest city in Bulgaria on the coast. It's incredible, awesome weather, super fast internet, like elsewhere mm-hmm. in Bulgaria. Very, very cheap uh, rental market. Uh, my wife and I found a three-bedroom uh, panoramic view apartment of the ocean for four hundred bucks a month. Uh, obviously, this is on the local market, but just to just so you yeah. know what the rental prices look like. Awesome food. You're really close to Istanbul. So, you know, you're just a flight away from the rest of the world. Um, They have good co working spaces. They have a small community there. Um, I was born there. So that's why I'm saying that I'm biased. But I mean, I know few people who've come to Bulgaria as remote or to Varna as remote workers and haven't enjoyed it. So I'm still surprised it hasn't popped off.
0: Uh, I've actually honestly never even heard of that city. So I might, that's definitely a hidden gem then. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's,
1: it's one of these places where I tried to talk a lot about and, um, I have like, actually, like I started the first digital nomad group in Varna and people have come and have liked it and they've stayed and that kind of stuff, but it's definitely still undiscovered and I can't believe it.
0: it the hidden, the hidden thing here is Mithko owns half the town. So he's trying to make it pop off. <laughs> there you go. That's yep. I,
1: I, I own half the city, so
0: yeah. <laughs> All right. mine. My pick here would be Antigua, Guatemala. Have you been to Antigua? I have not been to Guatemala. Why Antigua? Wow. All right. So Guatemala mm-hmm. is one of those spots too, where it sounds very dangerous. And I think the thing in Central America is a lot of the capital cities are dangerous, right? You think about Honduras, mm-hmm. San Pedro, you know, San Pedro de Sula, uh, Guatemala, Guadalajara, these are both ranked at one point as being the most dangerous cities in the world. But the reality is that's the center, right? So oftentimes the trick in Central America is you go to the second or third city and it's incredible and it's not nearly as dangerous. So Antigua is a small kind of colonial town. Um, a lot of the wealthier people just go stay there. And it's a beautiful like cobblestones, colored colored town. There's a backdrop of a volcano. There's a lot of tourists and backpackers there. There's a Impact Hub co-working space over there. So remember when I was there, I was like, I cannot wait to get back here. Incredibly safe um fantastic walkability great food great pace of life lo- lot of activities you could go volcano hiking you could go up to the lake it was like one of my favorite places ever i've been and i've and everyone i know who's gone there has been like this place is amazing from lax it's like a three and a half hour flight i think um so it's one of those places where i never understood why i never popped off and i think just that maybe if you're gonna go to like latin america you probably end up going to like Colombia or mexico so you kind of just overlook guatemala but it was awesome. I highly recommend it. So that'd be, that'd be a place. Um, I think is a hidden gem. So this is the interesting thing. So I have two questions for you. The first one is like,
1: what is the airport connectivity there? Like, because I know we talked about this about a month ago because you were in Belize that I went to Belize. And one of the issues with Belize is how few connections they have into the country from other places. But the other thing You mentioned Colombia. So if you can think about a country which shouldn't win on this, it's Colombia because of (laughs) how bad their media has been. Considering that like if you think you mentioned Mexico City and people in the U.S. freak out, mention Colombia and, you know, all the media they've had around cocaine and how dangerous it is and whatever. Yet you and I know Colombia crushes with like remote workers and digital nomads. Yeah. So – my question is, this is a two-part question, which is a podcast I should know not to ask. As a podcaster, I should know <laughs> not to ask. But what is the co- connectivity like in, in Guatemala? And then the second one is, what do you think Colombia did
0: right? All right. So, man, I love this. I love spitballing. This, this is the fun part about the podcast and why we're talking of here. So connectivity in uh, Antigua. Uh, and connectivity, I think you mean from getting from one place to another. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could fly a Guatemala. Like getting city there. Airport. Yep, you can fly a Guatemala City and take a bus straight from there, 45 minutes to Antigua. Super easy. Guatemala City is a direct flight from LAX and a lot of different places because there's a big Guatemalan population in the US. Mm-hmm. So it's actually surprisingly easy to get to. I don't know how it is if you're flying from like Minneapolis, maybe you have to connect somewhere else. Uh, but it's surprisingly extremely easy and I've heard nothing but rave reviews from people who've gone. So very, very good connectivity there. And Colombia, um, dude, I'd actually be interested to hear from you because I don't know what they did right. Medellin, when I went, I loved it. And I loved it because I think it's a very vibrant live city. Um, there happened to be a community there, and part of it is I think they attracted the early bro nomads. Like it's the nightlife there is incredible. Uh the the girls are beautiful. So guys who are single who are nomads are like, hey, let's all go to Columbia and post up there and go party all the time. And it's a fantastic city for nightlife. Uh, and relatively undiscovered. So it kind of has that allure of like, oh, I'm in Medellin. This is where Pablo Escobar's from, right? So I think it attracted a lot of the more adventurous crowd at the beginning. And then uh, uh, a hub stayed. I actually don't think like the country made any active efforts for this to happen. I think someone just discovered this was a fantastic place to go and they went. And the reality is like infrastructure there is actually really, really good. Tons of co-working spaces, lots of really good coffee shops. This all existed before the nomad crowd went there. So it just... It kind of evolved and someone discovered it and was like hey everyone come over here and it kind of popped off but i'd actually put this on the hidden gem level still where in the nomad world everyone knows about this this is like old news where this is like this has been in the circuit for a long time but i think you're right is most people still have a negative connotation with columbia but it's such a huge hot spot yeah, I think, so it's funny that how you describe Medellin, because I had somebody,
1: and I don't remember, this might've been at the DC conference in October. Um, I, I could be wrong, but someone told me, I was asking them, I heard they were just in Colombia and I was asking them about Medellin and they said, uh, are you single? And I said, no, I'm married. And they were like, oh, you don't need to go there. Like they were <laughs> like, you, like spare yourself, don't go there. Which yeah. I thought was like a funny way of explaining that to me. Um, but so here's the interesting thing. I think you're 100% right. I don't think the Colombian government was like master planning on how to make Colombia super or Medellin and um and Bogota like popular for digital nomads. I think it was an accident. Mm-hmm. So now I think other places are trying to reverse engineer like how did they like what did they do in that they got lucky that we can like strategically do, oh. right? So you can put like Medellin, uh Chiang Mai in there like um Bali, right? Like you can put some of these places that just kind of like just happened to do it like by accident and have now, you know, now other places might be trying to reverse engineer that into seeing how to actually compete for this new type of uh, tourist who is worth more than the regular tourist, right? Because you stay there longer, you spend more money, et cetera, et cetera. But I agree in terms of like, we talked about this before we hit record with some of these locations for us might be like very mature and um, like places that we all know about yet to a majority of people who are now entering this lifestyle have never even thought about going there like uh, Budapest, right? Mm. Budapest is an incredible city. It's been a hotspot for digital nomads, for, I mean, ever since I've been in the community. But yet, now when I talk to people, you know, I've had two friends go to Europe for the first time, they would never been to Europe, and they ask me, oh, where should I go? And I tell them to go to Budapest because it's one of my favorite cities, and they, it, it wasn't even on their map. Do you know what I mean? Um, Mithko, can I ask you, what, what
0: would be like spitballing, just going off the top of your head, the top destinations for communities, for the nomad community in general? Like, we talked about Medellin, we talk about Budapest. Let, like, Can you list other ones which are typical hotspots?
1: So Mexico City, um, I still put Playa del Carmen on there even I don't like it because the community is so strong. I think in the US, Austin. Austin yep. has a ton of people. Miami now as well. I think you're going to see a lot of these things happening in the Midwest, by the way. I, I foresee that happening. I think um, Lisbon, Barcelona, uh, Budapest, um, Tbilisi, uh, yep, Georgia just, yeah, I mean, do, have just crushed it there. Uh, as as a government, I think they they've done a really good job. Um, I think. Madeira, Madeira blew up during COVID. Uh, the work that Gonzalo did over there was, was phenomenal. And he's got a lot of recognition for that, rightfully so. Now he's oh. getting hired by different governments to actually try to recreate what they did in Madeira. So I know that he's working on some locations in Cabo Verde. I know that he's been recruited by the Brazilian government to do something in Brazil. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at that and I think that might be interesting, um, I, I, I still think like a lot, Chiang
0: Mai. I think like yeah. Asia, Bali, Chiang Mai. Like those would be the only two I'd probably put on the list of still like they still have a community. People are still going to go there.
1: I I was just going to say that. Yeah, I agree. I think even though we kind of threw some shade at Southeast Asia uh, a few minutes ago, I still think that they're a
0: dominant location. Yeah, I'm also surprised um, on the topics of never. Why it hasn't popped off? I've I've not understood why Brazil hasn't really popped off. Uh, I think it's like the dangers, which is valid. Like in Rio, even the locals were like, don't bring your wallet with you. Don't do this. So like, I think that's Mm -hmm. there. But when I went, like, this has a lot of the things of why people go to Medellin, which is the parting type of scene. But it's like even better. Like, But I think Mm -hmm. maybe the danger aspect is what's turning people away. But Florinopolis, which is south of Rio, which is a lot safer. That's one which is like, it's like the San Diego of Brazil. Incredible, safe. Yeah, Um, That's one where I'm also interested of why that hasn't popped off yet.
1: I've heard I've heard a lot about Floriopolis um and I'm definitely keen to check it out. I think if I had to guess why Brazil hasn't popped off as much for a digital nomads, yes, the safety thing I think is definitely part of it, but I'm also wondering if the time to get there plays a part because if you're thinking about, right, Mexico and Colombia are easy because you're what, like two and a half, four hour flight away from the US-ish, right? Mm. Brazil, it's like going to Europe, Right, right. in terms of time. And so if you're thinking like, okay, well, should I go to Europe and be part of that nomad community and see everything that's going on over there or go to Brazil? If you're looking at like the cost being the same, uh, the time to travel being the same, like I wonder if that's kind of that part of the calculation.
0: I would agree because I, I was also thinking the same thing about Buenos Aires, which is I think a pure timing thing. It's a pain in the butt to get there, but it's an incredible city. So you're probably mm-hmm. only going to go if you could go for at least three months at a time which a lot of people just don't want to do, right? Because they don't know enough about it. So yeah, yeah, I would agree.
1: Here's my question for Buenos Aires, because I've had this conversation with a few people. I have, I've never been. It looks amazing. It looks like I would love it as a city, but a lot of people are going there and their biggest benefit of being there, they tell me is how cheap it is and how affordable it is and how well you can live on very little money. The thing that concerns me is and maybe this is because I grew up in an Eastern European post-communist country and I know that shit can hit the fan. Yeah. I definitely have a little bit of like a Yes, it's great for us being there, but I'm concerned about their economic state and what can happen if you get if you're there at the wrong time. Um and I think that that's something that doesn't get talked about enough as, you know, digital nomads is like yeah, go to places where it's cheap, but like there's some places that concern me because they're so cheap, and like, why are they so cheap?
0: And yeah, do you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Well, like, Venezuela is a perfect example hyperinflation there. Like, that's probably not a right. spot you want to be for. Uh, so when I went there, I went there in like 2015, 2016. Um, there's something called the blue chip right there. They don't, no one there wants to hold on to pesos. So you bring U.S. cash in there and exchange it, and you get 50% more for your dollars. So I went to Ecuador, which uses the U.S. cash, which uses U.S. dollars, and I took out a bunch of money. Went to Argentina, swapped it, out, I got 50% more. So I think there's a whole mm. underground market there, which is like kind of leveling things off. And I guess my take in Argentina is like, I don't know if it's as unstable as a place like Venezuela where I'm worried about my safety because there is oh, a good sure. yeah. expat population there, but not nomad population. There's just an expat population there. So yeah, I I, I, I do want to head back down there and see how it's been in the last few years. since It's been a while. Uh, But as a city, uh, it's gotten even cheaper than when I went there. By the way, funny story. I I, I forgot if I even told you about this. I went there back in 2015 because the currency was such crap. I went to a hostel, gave them my money, and they converted it straight to Bitcoin because Bitcoin was more stable than the Argentinian currency in 2015. So that hostel is probably just loaded now, right? This is 2015. It was worth like $300 at the time. Yeah. Uh, So it's just funny. This random hostel is super wealthy now.
1: At, I have a, I have a friend who has a, I, he was telling me that he put like in very early days when Bitcoin came out, he was like, ah, I'll buy like 10, 15, uh, you know, just, just in case it pops off and he put it on a USB stick and now he can't find the USB stick. Oh no,
0: <laughs>
1: God. Yeah. um Okay. Here's another question for you since we're spitballing this. What U.S. cities do you
0: think are going to pop off? Ooh, U.S. cities um i know san diego is starting to pop off, but the problem with california is it's very expensive Mm -hmm. um so i i think like there's a community here in la it's just not that big it's just people who are here because they have family or maybe a couple of people who just really really like it austin i okay i can see austin man this is a tough one i i don't know is a an is honest. Answer. I'm thinking about these tier one cities and tier two cities. Tier two cities in the Midwest. I'm not as optimistic about the Midwest as you are. I think it's because nomads really want endless summers. Um in Midwest, you're gonna have springtime and fall time, which are great, which don't even coincide with each other, and that's kinda it. So I'm not too sure, man. What are your thoughts? So I'm
1: a big fan of this idea of home bases and setting up mm-hmm. home bases. Right. So, like, imagine having uh, an apartment in Mexico City, an apartment somewhere in Europe, maybe someplace in Asia. And if you're in the US, having a place in the US, right? Um, And kind of bouncing between them. And I think the Midwest is good for that because you don't have the crazy prices that you have on the East and West Coast. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's some places in the Midwest that actually have a really great startup environment. And so, even if it doesn't have like a digital nomad community, you can get some part of that by having a well-developed startup ecosystem. So Cincinnati, 12. for example, has an incredible startup ecosystem. It's really uh, undiscovered, I think, by um, a lot of like startup people who are trying to decide where to go and start uh, a business. Uh, and housing is still affordable and it's a killer city. Like it, it constantly ranks as one of the like most livable cities that's undiscovered in the US. But I also think the Appalachia areas are going to do really well. So
0: places like North Carolina, South Carolina. I was about to say, I think the Carolinas yeah. are going to be the biggest winners here. Like Asheville, I know a few people who have moved to Asheville. For the Carolinas, there's Greensboro. Like people mm-hmm. are moving there like crazy and they're loving it. People from, friends of mine from California who are like, actually, we like this way better in California. We're just going to move here and it's a fourth of yeah. the cost. Yeah. And the cool
1: thing with, so we have friends who moved, there were nomads like us. And when COVID hit, they actually moved and bought a house in, in North Carolina outside of Asheville, like an hour and a half outside of Asheville. And what I've noticed is even those small towns that aren't Asheville, but they're like in the hour-ish sphere of Asheville are also starting to grow. So they have like a little mm. hipster vibe in their like little downtown. They have like breweries and cafes and they're on the Appalachian Trail. So you always have these like, hikers that are coming yeah, through. Interesting people. Um, but I think what the Carolinas have, like North Carolina specifically, and maybe Tennessee, I'll throw Tennessee in there as well, that is actually going full circle, very similar with Bonsco is these mountain towns because they pop off a lot in the winter, mm-hmm. right? So you have a high season there, but their low season, they're still very nature and outdoorsy and hikingy. So it kind of levels off. It's not like a beach destination where it's like all or nothing. Do You know what I mean? Yep.
0: Yeah. I think those are great ones. And I, the last one just came to mind. A lot of people move into Boulder, uh, Boulder, Colorado, and I think Americans in general, but especially the nomad community, there's a pretty strong community there. So I think Boulder is a big one as well.
1: Yeah. Colorado is like, it's interesting too, because that is also pretty expensive. Like I think coming from California, maybe it's not as expensive. Um, but there was actually, I just read an article on the best cities for digital nomads. It was something that I featured in my newsletter. Um, and I think it was some town in Utah or New Mexico because it Hmm. has the lowest property prices with a good internet but very very close to a major airport and i can't remember what the town was i'll send it to you but i was like never heard of it but that kind of makes sense analytically
0: yeah um yeah i wonder if it's like santa fe new mexico or something like that but we'll see i feel like there's a lot of undiscovered spots in the u.s which people were starting to discover the last couple of years uh, so a lot of them i think yeah. are gonna start popping off soon
1: Absolutely. Especially with Starlink just being released. Um, I know that our friends that I was mentioning that live in North Carolina, they literally placed a bet saying, I think this is going to be popular. And they didn't have good internet where they were. So they've been like hotspotting off their phones for like a year and a half. And Starlink just hit. Um, (laughs) So I think that that's going to really blow up those communities. Yeah, love it.
0: Cool. Mitko, dude, thanks for hopping on, man. Uh, I know we went through a lot over here and this has made me want to go travel more. And to be honest, you, you incepted me with the idea of going to Bulgaria. So you're doing well for the town that you own. Well, uh, the town that I own <laughs> yeah. don't, don't, don't <laughs> tell, don't tell the government, that's how I'm marketing
1: it. Um, but yeah, man, come to Bulgaria. Uh, I'll be there next summer. Uh, so yeah, I'd be happy to show you around. Awesome. Thanks for hopping on Mitko and anyone listening, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, so the best place to follow me is uh, Twitter. I'm at Mitkoca, Mitkoka. M I T K O K A. I'm it's I'm Mitkoka all over the internet. So even on Instagram, you can find me there. And then also um, the newsletter, Remote Insider. That's at thatremotelife.com forward slash Remote Insider. And uh, thank you so much for having me on, man. This was this was super fun. Awesome. Thanks again, man.